Hello, welcome to Stump, Death and Taxes. This is Meep, also known as Mary Pat Campbell. I'm a life actuary, and that means I am focused on death, and today is definitely all about death, and it's going to take a big religious tinge, so you have been warned, a lot of Catholic content, and of course, being Catholic, I'm going to take non-Catholic content as well. We are universal after all, and I'm going to take the good stuff because that's what we do, and everybody should be Catholic. Uh, In any case, it's Holy Week 2023. It's Spy Wednesday. I'm not going to explain that right now. I'll just drop a link in the notes. Uh, Yesterday, Tuesday, I went into the city. Of course, being a New Yorker, when anyone says the city, that means New York City, just as if someone was English and they said the city, you would know they meant London. I went into the city yesterday. Uh, I took off this entire week. Holy Week is my big religious week, more than Christmas. It is a big run-up to Easter. And of course, we get seven weeks of Easter versus that puny octave of Christmas, Uh, but Holy Week has got a lot jam-packed in it. And the big theme of Lent and Holy Week is the culmination of Lent uh, and then leading up to Easter Sunday. And the big theme is memento mori, remember you, remember your death, remember you are mortal. And memento mori, of course, is a big theme for me in general. You might say have been a little overdetermined for death since I was young. Um, I had, you know, I was just thinking back, well, before some very significant deaths in my life, I was writing poetry as a child about death. And I actually had to write a letter to my parents at one point saying, no, 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 I'm not contemplating suicide. I just like thinking about death in general. Um, (laughs) It's kind of hard to miss. But in 1989, my paternal grandfather died. Now he was in his 70s at the time and his health wasn't great. I think it was his third heart attack that finally did him in. Um, And so I was about, I was 15 at the time. Then the next year in 1990, when I was 16, my father died of a heart attack and he was only 38. uh, And that came out of nowhere. So that was a total surprise and very shocking and very disruptive. Uh, So that had a huge effect on my life. And at the time, so I was at a boarding school North Carolina School of Science and Math, and that actually has a connection to yesterday as well. I went to an alumni event in New York City. I'm like, wait, but that's North Carolina. Well, we have a lot of NCSSMers. We call ourselves SNMers. But anyway, um, so there's a lot of alumni. The school had its first graduating class in 1982, and mine was class of 1992. Uh, in any case, my mom and my maternal grandfather were going around the school looking for me. I had thought my Aunt Mary Pat, who had been in the hospital uh, after some organ transplants, um, was the one who had died. And she, of course, died the next year in 1991 uh, when I was 17. Um, And I was named after her, as you can imagine. So a lot of very significant deaths in my life. Uh, My Aunt Mary Pat was a role model to me as was my father. And uh, all these people had an influence. So a lot of deaths early in my life had an influence. Uh, So 
that kind of stuck in the back of my mind. So always thinking about death. Uh, but yesterday when I went into the city, I went to the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I'm a member and I'm a big fan of art. But given it was Holy Week, I decided to hang out with the religious art. You have a bunch of the European art right when you come in. And when you come in very close to the Great Hall, when you come in, there's all this medieval art that is related to the cloisters. If you go way uptown, um, you know, near the tippy tip of Manhattan Island, um, there is a separate museum, the cloisters, that is part of the Met. I don't like going up there. It's a pain in the ass to get all that way. Uh, but they have some of the cloisters collection down in the main museum that's right there on Central Park in the 80s on the um, Fifth Avenue. And so there's a lot of religious art there. Uh, one of the things about the European, the medieval and Renaissance collection, so there's a lot of, you know, Last Supper portrayals. One that I looked at, it was 16th century, so more, you know, Renaissance era, a tapestry from Brussels, I believe. And it was based off of, I think, Albrecht Durer models and some other, but, you know, there was a designer from um, Brussels designed the tapestry. And one of the things I liked about this Last Supper, and, and then, of course, many of the medieval and earlier Renaissance paintings of the Last Supper, one of the things I don't like is trying to figure out who is who in the Last Supper, specifically, which one is Judas? Um, you know, like, oh yeah, this one has the money bags. Well, it makes it really easy when they all have halos except for one. Yeah, the one without the halo is Judas. So that makes it very easy. So I got some pictures of the Last Supper and some other religious items. Another one, I went into the modern art section and of course got a picture of Salvador Dali's picture painting of the crucifixion on a hypercube. Uh, I like a lot of Dolly's religious art. Um, I remember his Last Supper. That wasn't there. I forget what museum, if it's in MoMA or which museum it's in. Um, I like his religious art a lot. Uh, but one of the pieces that I came across yesterday that I really wasn't expecting and has a it was just a lot of coincidences at once. And I swear this stuff happens to me all the time. And I just, I don't necessarily want to imbue meeting with it, but I will explain what it was. So yes, I said this was a lot of religious content, but a lot of it's just artistic and cultural content as well. This is a special exhibit on at the Metropolitan Museum of Art that opened April 3rd. So I came in April 4th, that was yesterday. It's running April 3rd to July 16th, 2023, so not that long. Wanda Berea, Afro-Hispanic painter. And I was familiar with the portrait by Velasquez of Wanda Berea. Wanda Berea had been a slave owned by Velasquez, I believe, and they have all sorts of things. Uh, and Wanda Perea was a painter himself and was freed from slavery by Velasquez at one point and did paintings himself. So in this, uh, in this exhibit, we have 
paintings by Velazquez, including that portrait of Juan de Perea, but also paintings by Juan de Perea. One of the paintings was the calling of St. Matthew, and Juan de Perea put a self-portrait to the side in there, and actually I took a picture of the painting, which evidently was a no-no. Um, this And this is usually not the case at the Met, uh, because this painting was on loan, I think, from the Prado, but I forget. Um, but I'll link to the exhibit uh, webpage, and you can see the painting there. It's actually online, and you can just look at it. Um, so it's a very interesting painting. Matthew, of course, is a tax collector, and it's an interesting uh, scene because, as per usual for a lot of, this is, what, 17th century art, it's kind of contemporary. There's a mix of your traditional garb draping for Jesus, but the tax collectors and the people he's, you know, interacting with, they're wearing contemporary Spanish outfits uh, for men. So it's it's kind of odd. But what was very strange is I came across this statue of St. Benedict of Palermo, um, with this kind of golden or gilded habit, you know, and he's black because he was a Moor. And I'm looking at this, what, and I'm reading the plaque. I'm like, wait a second. I just read about this man this morning because I have this book, Lives of the Saints 2, which I had picked up at the Strand in October 2022, which are some very obscure saints. They're not in the Roman calendar. Uh, these are just not very well-known saints. And April 4th was St. Benedict's feast day, which means the day he died. And wait, there's more. So a little more about the Moor. Um, he, his parents had been slaves who were freed, I believe, before he was born. He had entered religious life himself, uh, relatively young, and had been a hermit. This was during the 1500s in Italy. And evidently the Pope at the time, let's see, Pope Pius IV decided these independent hermits really needed to attach themselves to a real friary or convent or something like that. So he joined the Franciscans and became a Franciscan friar. Um, and he was a Franciscan or a Franciscan lay brother. And what's interesting is he had done, uh, he had been a cook at the friary St. Mary's convent in Palermo. And, but because of, you know, his particular personal qualities, he ultimately became a novice master um, at the friary. And he asked later, though, could he become a cook again? Um, and what's interesting about him, if you look up some of his, how shall we say, the, you could say hagiography or just the legends around him, but what he was known or the, one of the stories around him was that he was given, and this was not only him and getting back to just stories around various saints was that certain saints are 
told about the date they are going to die. So this is from the Wikipedia article, which is titled Benedict the Moor. Benedict died at the age of 65, and it is claimed on the very day and hour which he had predicted. He is not the only canonized saint where this has been claimed, that they have been told when they're going to die. And of course, it was on April 4th. So he was, he died April 4th, 1589. Um, though in Wikipedia, they estimate he was 62 or 63 years old. It doesn't really matter. This was in the 1500s and people were not necessarily, you know, all of that particular about the exact uh, age, you know, over 60, that was pretty old at the time. And his patronage is African Americans, and there's a lot of historically black Catholic parishes in the United States that are named after St. Benedict in Chicago and Pittsburgh, uh, Louisiana, and Savannah. So uh, just interesting in New York City. Uh, so just in FYI. So I just thought it was very interesting and I found it a surprise. And then the lady who was standing next to me while I was standing at the statue, I'm like, wait a second, this is his feast day, uh, April the 4th, because this is the date he died. Uh, and that's when we celebrate the saints is the day they died, because that's the day they entered heaven. So that's one of the saints. And then I'm just going to go jump from St. Benedict over to St. Joseph, because that's the parish I'm in. And I may have mentioned this before, but my parish has this very large statue of St. Joseph as patron of a happy death. And it has St. Joseph in the arms of Mary with Jesus kind of raising his hand over him. And this is Joseph dying. It's right when you walk into our church. It's very large. It's very difficult to miss. Um, I mean, we have another St. Joseph, the worker statue within the church up at the front too, where it's a young, healthy uh, Joseph with a carpenter's square and that kind of thing as well. But one of the patronages of Joseph is patron of a happy death. So let me read from the card that is right there with the statue, which I picked up today because I lost my prior copy of the card. So St. Joseph is known as the patron of a happy death. It is essential to understand the true meaning of the words a happy death even though the dying person may be experiencing great pain from health issues, as well as fear and anxiety over the unknown. The term happy in this context does not connote the emotion of being glad or even cheerful. Rather, it signifies being peaceful, full of faith and hope in Jesus Christ, which carries with it a certain joy. Since every person will eventually face death, Memento Mori. Each one of us needs and wants the help of St. Joseph, our loving spiritual father, on the road of passing from this life to the next. St. Joseph is called the patron of a happy death. He died a blessed and happy death because Jesus and Mary were at his side. His holy death reflected his holy life. St. Joseph was a just man and lived his life loving and serving Jesus and Mary through being obedient to God's will. So that's not in the Gospels. After, you know, Jesus 
and at the temple when he's around 12, that's the last we hear of Joseph. And we figure he died somewhere between Jesus being 12 and being 30. Uh, so that's the last we hear of Joseph in church tradition. He died with Mary and Jesus there and died before Jesus started his mission. So death is all over the place. <laughs> Obviously, Good Friday, that's one of the big um, it's not a mass. It's a big service, and I try to go to it every year, and sometimes it's pretty long. I used to go to it in Manhattan. Uh, there were are certain services that go on for three hours and longer. I've been to services in Latin. Uh, there is, and this is the one that I was going to close with. Uh, as I said, we're Catholic. We'll grab anything that's good because, of course, uh, Johann Sebastian Bach was not Catholic. Um, and my favorite thing for Holy Week is the St. Matthew Passion by Bach. Um, and that can be pretty long. And my favorite tune, as it were, and he didn't write the tune, but he did, of course, all the different settings of this is the Passion Chorale uh, that appears, I think, I can't remember the count, four times during the St. Matthew Passion, but it is... Uh, harmonized differently each time it shows up. And I looked in our hymnal this morning when I went to Mass. Uh, there are, I think, three or four different hymns that use the Passion Chorale tune in our hymnal. So I picked the one that we used in Lent. Uh, there's a couple other ones, but the one that we use in Lent is Oh Sacred Head surrounded. And this is the one we'll probably sing on Good Friday. So, and I'm sorry, I am, I'm just going to do the first verse and I'll sing it the best I can. Oh, sacred head surrounded by crown of piercing thorn. O bleeding head, so wounded, reviled and put to scorn. The power of death comes o'er you, the glow of life decays. Yet angel hosts adore you, and tremble as they gaze. And no organ there. So that's from the St. Matthew Passion, which will be me tears straining and down. And we cover all the statues. We cover the crucifixes. We strip the altars bare. And the churches are unlit. And it's entirely quiet and dark until the Easter Vigil Mass. And we have fire and light, which is great. Um, I don't have the energy and I cannot stand uh, what's strange, of course, when I tell people, because, of course, I'm one of those people who goes to daily Mass when I can. Um, sometimes I can't. Uh, it's a gift, you know, when I can. And this is why I like being in the Northeast, because I have Catholic churches all over the place. When I lived in the South, 
it was not necessarily easy to get to churches and there's not so many mass times that I could go. Like here, there's always like a church within easy distance and many of them will have mass times even at lunchtime. So during the working day, when I worked in Manhattan, Midtown, holy moly, within a couple blocks, you know, at lunchtime, I could go to mass. It was very easy. But one of the things that people might find surprising, the two days of the year where I'm least likely to be at mass in person are Christmas and Easter, uh, because I have to sit. I cannot stand the entire mass and if I cannot get a seat, which I may not because those are the times most likely for people who don't normally go to church show up. And I, and you know, I don't grudge them that it's good that they show up. So yes, please. Yeah, please, please show up, show up, show up. It's fine. I'm there other days. It's okay. And for Easter, we have seven weeks of Easter. I will be there. Don't worry. Um, so yes, absolutely. Go to church. Go to mass. Enjoy. Enjoy. Jesus Christ is risen today. Yes. So that is fine. Um, it's, you know, we have death and I'm enjoying the way I enjoy things. I am sorry. Yes. Obviously, I do like the subject of death, but it's not morbid per se. Um, I just, I do find it fascinating. Um, I like the art around it. Uh, I find it very compelling. And we have 2000 years of artwork surrounding these concepts in uh, Christian tradition. Now, music and visual art. Um, so, you know, I've been, uh, Holy Week is my big week for it more than anything else. So that's been Stump, Death and Taxes. And yes, maybe I'll do St. Matthew and uh, tax collection another time. <laughs>